Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're measuring flicks When you open Patreon to write a new post, the text field comes preloaded with encouragement to get creatives up and going. Write literally anything, your patrons will love it, or why do you do what you do, or tell a story, or this morning, write like there's no tomorrow. I meant to write this yesterday, and the day before, and the day before, to tell you this story about a woman who made an immeasurable difference in my life, who is quite literally responsible for almost all of the most important and fulfilling things that I do with my time. I couldn't write a word, because I couldn't think of any others than... She's gone, and what could those couple contextless words mean to anybody but me and my family? Write literally anything. Your patrons will love it. I suppose it's true. I hope it's true. So here you are, listener, because anything is better than silence and wondering where your show went. My mom called me late on November 29th. It was dinner time. I had a mouthful of burrito and an Elmore Leonard novel open on the table in front of me, so I thumbed my phone silent and let it run to voicemail. And I got a text. Call me, hun. Important. So I picked up the phone and headed for the stairs to pack a bag and go north, because every time I get that text, I need to go home. The next morning, I was in the ICU in Marquette in my grandma Linda's room, reading her Tolkien's introduction to the Del Rey paperback edition of The Fellowship of the Ring. When I was a kid, grandma Linda was a librarian, the head librarian at the Carnegie Library in Ishpeming. If you've seen Otto Preminger's film Anatomy of a Murder, you've seen this library. When Jimmy Stewart and Arthur O'Connell are poring over the stacks in search of legal loopholes, they're in the Carnegie Library. It's always strange to see Jimmy Stewart walking around on the gorgeous glass-floored lofted level where I spent dozens, if not hundreds, of hours reading Calvin and Hobbes, The Three Investigators, The Boxcar Children, The Magic Treehouse, and so many others, and so much more when I was young. That's probably where it all began. I caught a lot of my literacy from my father and from the strange sci-fi paperbacks I stole off his shelves when I was much, much too young for them, but where do you suppose he got it from? Grandma's life was reading. She read voraciously, so voraciously that when people describe themselves to me as big readers, I can't help a skeptical eyebrow. A few years back, I started keeping track of every book I read in any given year, a record of my reading list. I got the idea from Grandma Linda, who'd been keeping records of her reading for years. The first year I kept track, I read 58 books. I'd read in On Writing that Stephen King, the gold standard reader, read between 60 and 70 books a year. I wasn't too far off of that and felt pretty good. That's wonderful, dear, said Grandma when the year was done. She called me every Sunday to talk about books and movies and to ask how Bird and I were doing, whether we needed anything, and because we loved to talk with each other. How many did you read? I asked. 96, she said, but I have more free time than you do. Grandma died the night of December 4th this year. A week after that, I set a small, beautiful urn on top of the bookcase in my office where I keep the classics. Grandma's urn is nestled between two stacked pillars of books. There is no free space anywhere in this room. Books grow and multiply on every flat surface, including, to Bird's chagrin, the floor. I think Grandma would like the books around her. A first English edition of Freud's Interpretation of Dreams, an Oxford volume on Gerard Manley Hopkins, P.D. James's insightful Talking About Detective Fiction, a copy of the Constitution of the United States, the DC Comics Encyclopedia, 
a few books of magic tricks. So many of my memories of grandma come with books attached or movies. Grandma loved movies. Going through cleaning and organizing her book collection after she died, I was struck by how many of her books were about movies. Collections of film criticism, catalogs of little-known gems, biographies of screenwriters, directors, movie stars, Leonard Maltin's movie guides from last year's back to the year I was born, 1990. Remembering the hours I spent reading Malton's haiku-like musings on everything from Seven Samurai to the Toxic Avenger, all of this Malton reading done at Grandma Linda's house, I wonder if I found the seed that led me to these microphones on my desk and measuring flicks, and to all of you. It was Grandma who called to tell me that a company called Criterion was starting a streaming service. It was Grandma who called Dad and got him to buy me a discounted charter membership for my birthday that year, a membership I will keep until the unexpected solar flares someday wipe all technology from the table of the world. It was with Grandma Linda that I first saw North by Northwest and Vertigo. She loved Kurosawa, and she loved Bergman. She loved the spectacle of new movies, but detected some of the inevitable loss of depth that comes from too intent a focus on the sparkle and spectacle. Grandma loved westerns and musicals and mysteries. She hated horror films, but watched them when I was around. She loved the magic of the screen, and she understood the magic of imagination. She's gone. And yet, I don't know if I'll ever catch a clear-eyed and cogent picture of Grandma Linda in her totality to lay out plainly on a page or in a podcast. She's so monumental an element in my cosmogony, trying to get it all and get it all right is like trying to type up a sentence that comprehensively explains Lao Tzu's Tao. Her influence on my life has been as inexorable and invisible as the levers of physics on the clockwork of our cosmos. I absorbed books and authors and genres and interests and ideas from her, symbolism and psychology and keen perspectives on history that she'd lived through, or keen insight into history she hadn't but had read and applied herself to understanding and context. It's impossible to know how many of the roots of my mind were planted from cuttings of hers, transplanted to me not via dogma but by simple exposure to the same minds and pages that had shaped and nourished her through her life. Shakespeare, Bradbury, the Bronte sisters, Emily Dickinson, biographies of everybody, histories of everywhere and everything, Carl Jung, Raymond Chandler. There are more than 1,400 books in my personal collection, many of them in the office where I'm reading this. Since she died, I've been afraid of Sundays, the days that she'll never call me again to talk about what she's reading and what I'm reading, and what new cinematic magic we've discovered for each other in the week gone by since last we spoke. And then I look around at all these books. A lifetime of books ahead of me. And I see her everywhere in them. My ongoing conversation with Grandma Linda hasn't ended. It'll go on for the rest of my life. We just talk a little quieter now than we used to. Carl and I are taking the last few weeks of this year off of the podcast. I want a little more time to rest and process and recover. Uh, we're throwing out everything we had planned for the rest of season four and starting season five fresh in January. It's been a hard couple years personally and creatively for both of us. Um, we're taking this chance to start fresh 
Season 5 will begin in January 2022. New themes, new movies, still two a month in the main feed, two a month on Patreon. With Carl's blessing, the first month of Season 5 are some of Grandma Linda's favorites. After that, the show goes on. The conversation continues. Thank you all so much for being part of it. We'll see you next year at the movies.